This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I'm going to do a little mini-series because we have tonight and we have next Wednesday and then we're done for the year. Now, that's not the response. We don't woo at that. We awe at that. Woo, yeah, great. Dear Lord, Alan, we'd be glad to get rid of you for the entire year. Thank you very much. It's a tough crowd, tough crowd. All right. Um, Two weeks, and then what happens is on the 18th, uh, we actually have to shut down because we do a big Christmas program around here. If you've never been here for Christmas, it's an hour, but it is a packed hour. And Justin and his team, put so they always put a great thing together. People come just to figure out what Justin's going to do. And he and his team are highly creative. They've got another wonderful uh, Christmas thing, but they have to practice it. And so the 18th does, uh, takes away that one Wednesday. And then the following Wednesday is Christmas. I don't know about you. I don't want to be here on Christmas. I'd rather be home with my family. So would our volunteers. So we're taking Christmas off. And then the next one, I think, is, like, is that like New Year's Eve? Now, I came from, I, if you've ever been, to a, a, ever been to a midnight watch service, we don't do that here. <laughs> you know why? Because I've been to a few midnight watch services. <laughs> Turns into the worst talent show you have ever seen in your entire life. So we don't do that. So we give you New Year's Eve off, and I think a lot of us are going down to see Justin and Mary Beth and uh, Caroline sing the national anthem at the Rockets game. That's good. Represent. That's good. All right. So I, I want to talk a little bit about looking back to move forward. I want to talk about end of the year. I like to use December as a month to start planning for what's ahead. And so I use, I use the month. I don't, I don't want to just hit January and start thinking about, oh, here's what I'd like to do. I want to plan in December so that I hit January with some momentum built up. And so it's a little bit of a different approach, but it, if, you, if you try it, it you, you might like it. So let's talk about looking back to move forward. We'll pray first. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for tonight. We're thankful. Lord, I thank you for every individual that came. They made effort to come. You said in all labor there is profit. So tonight we look to you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who is the teacher. We ask you, Lord, that we speak clearly, accurately, and that our hearts are able to receive. Show us wondrous things from your word. We'll give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Acts, uh, the 20th chapter, Paul is talking to a group of church leaders in, in the uh, city of Ephesus. And he, he believes that it's the last time he's going to see these people. These are church leaders. And obviously keeping in mind, they, didn't have, they couldn't text, couldn't, could not have... FaceTime, they had no way of communicating, so they were seeing Paul for the last time. As he's talking to these leaders, this is part of his conversation here. He said, see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. That would be imprisonment and problems. He said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. 
Now, as we, as we look back on the year, I've got a question for you, and this is a question you, you don't, I don't want you to answer, certainly don't answer it out loud. But when Paul is talking about these things, in this chapter, we're, we're going to see some things that give us a good framework for, for how do we reflect on the year and how do we move forward. I don't know about you, but I have a, a real problem with, with staying the same. I don't like to stay the same. I like to, to, to improve. I like to grow. I like to, and I realize there are some things I'm not going to be able to change. If you're, if, if you're aging, I know that regardless of what I eat or how hard I exercise, I will never look like I did at 25. That's just, that's just a fact of life. And so that's not what I'm talking about. But even though you may be going in the wrong direction outwardly, inwardly, the Bible says we're renewed day by day. And so we can actually grow and develop. That's one of the most beautiful things about, about Christianity is a relationship with the Lord gives us an opportunity to grow and that we can be stronger, more Christ-like next year than we are this year. And that's, to me, that's hopeful. That means I don't have to go, uh, hey, I wonder what's going to happen this year. I'm believing some things are going to happen this year. I'm not waiting for the year to happen. I'm going to start making some, some initiatives toward the year. Now, as you do that, you're thinking, okay, well, what, what can I do this year? And how can I look back on the year? Now, here's, here's a question. It's a little bit, it, it takes an honest, introspective look at our lives, but here's a great question. What moves you? Paul said, I'm going to Jerusalem. He said, I feel bound to go there. He said, but everywhere I go in every city, the Holy Spirit testifies. People would say, you know, people would say, Paul, I got a word for you. Or Paul, I'm concerned. Man, I just get this witness that, man, bad, bad times. And Paul said, yeah, I know that. He said, chains, or in other words, they're, they're going to imprison me, and tribulation. Gonna, there's going to be some hard times. He said, those things are awaiting me. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had word after word and city after city, they said, Alan, you're getting ready to go to Beaumont, and they're going to throw you in prison and torment you. I'm going to San Antonio. <laughs> I, I don't want to go there. But Paul said something here, really interesting. He said, none of these things move me. And so the question I have to ask is, what moves us? Now, let me put that, let me put that in perspective. Joy and I talk uh, a lot. You've got two preachers in the same household. We can have some very interesting conversations. <laughs> well, you know, when we argue, it's the scriptures. <laughs> oh, really? But well, the Bible says this. And then you say, oh, really? i got two for you. So anyway, um, one of, the questions, one of the questions that we ask is, when we go through things, how did we handle it? And sometimes, if we're honest, we can go, I didn't handle a certain situation well. And again, I'm not, this, this is not a condemning sense. This is just asking, what is it that throws me off? I mean, you know, sometimes that something can just really get to you. And maybe it doesn't get to your spouse. You know, Joy and I, very different, different personalities. And, and, and Joy, when we were, especially when we were first married, Joy had a real challenge with boundaries, setting up family boundaries. And so she had a difficulty. She can tell you this. I'm not, I'm not going to be in trouble when I get home. Um, she can tell you this. She would have trouble saying no. Now, we're at the holidays now. Family boundaries is always something that comes up. And so family pressure would come on and, and, and joy would, man, just, it was so hard for her to do that. And, and that really got to her. 
I, I had different areas. Some people deal with envy. I, I, I would deal a lot with competitiveness. And we hyper-competitive. I'm driving down the road one day, and this person pulls up next to me. I think it's my neighbor who is just a rude guy. He was rude. I had a lot of great neighbors. This guy was not one of them. He pulls up, and he pulls ahead in his car, and I speed up my car. He pulls faster, and I go faster. Pretty soon, both of us are barreling down the road. I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. Because <laughs> if I get arrested, the Conroe Courier is going to have a delightful time putting my mugshot on the front page <laughs> wearing an orange jumpsuit. But, but there's a little bit of, of, of and especially... <laughs> Uh, years ago, of competitiveness in me. I know I'm the only one here. Just indulge me just for a second. But, but maybe you're thinking, oh, Alan, that, that, that doesn't bother me at all. What does? Jealousy? Envy? Bitterness? Anger? When you go through something, we look at our life and go, what moves me? Does that make sense? You, do, you know what I'm talking about? So, some things can just... Man, they just bother, they bother you and, and your spouse is looking at you going, what? What? I don't get it. This is not, but then something bothers them. <laughs> with, with three children, obviously, and we're still involved in our kid's life. And sometimes I'll, I'll look at Joy and I'll go, you've got him. <laughs> Especially in speaking about my youngest one. And uh, Joy, Joy told me one day, she said, I've already dealt with you. He is no problem. <laughs> and then sometimes she would look at me and go um, I, I need you to talk to Christina why? because sometimes things just push our buttons does that make sense? what moves you? say well you know, that's, is that a scriptural thing? yeah actually it is let, let me give you a, a good, uh, good example this is found in um, uh, Old Testament this is one of my favorite characters. It's David. David was uh, running from King Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. Saul lost the kingdom. Samuel told him, he said, the Lord's taken the kingdom from you. He's going to give it to somebody better than you. That was David. Well, Saul tried to kill David. David ran from Saul. And so there was a, an instance that happened where David's a fugitive and Saul takes 3,000 chosen men. So he takes like a, uh, uh, he takes his elite soldiers and he, and he finds where David is. Now, it said David was hiding in a cave. And the Bible said Saul went into the cave to attend to his needs. The Bible's pretty interesting about how it says things like that. He went into the cave to, he, you know there wasn't a Bucky's. So the cave was the best place to attend to your needs. And while he was attending to his needs, David and his men are there, and they said, hey, David, look, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Saul's been trying to kill you. David reaches out, and he takes a knife, and he cuts off the corner of, of Saul's robe. And it's interesting that he, he just cut the corner off his robe. And the Bible said it, it, it troubled him when he did that. And when Saul left the cave, David comes out to the cave, and he talks to Saul, this is what he said, 1 Samuel 24, 11 through 12. He said, moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in all 
for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, know and see that there's neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I've not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. Now you talk, man, that's big. This guy's trying to kill you. He is chasing you. He's chasing you all over the country. All your men are like, would you kill this guy and let's solve this problem? And David kept calling him the Lord's anointed. He was a demonically oppressed, horrible leader trying to kill David. And David had such respect for God. And he said, the Lord, he's the Lord's anointed and I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. And he felt bad about even cutting off the corner of his robe. You think, man, that brother had some integrity. High level of integrity. Some of us be thinking, oh, you mine now. I got you in the cave. Your day is done, bro. It's it. But David wouldn't do it. So David acted so honorably there. <laughs> but the next chapter over, David is and his men, they're still running from Saul. And David and his men are there, and they run across a guy named Nabal. Nabal was a wealthy man, had a lot of, had a lot of cattle, had a lot of sheep and Nabal was shearing his sheep and David and his men guarded Nabal's men shearing your sheep evidently it's a vulnerable time raiders could come in and David and his men he said they were like a wall Nabal didn't ask him to do it David just did it and then after David did it and, and protected his men and none of their stuff was leaving David sent 10 men to Nabal and said hey look would you tell Nabal that we just helped him out and you know, hey, we blessed you. Would, you. would you bless us? It's a feast day. Could you give us some food? I got a lot of guys here, a lot of hungry, hungry people here. Could you help us out? And look what Nabal said. Verse, this is 1 Samuel 25, 10. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I've killed for my shearers and give it to the men who I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these things. And David said to his men, every man gird on your sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. Verse 21, now David said, surely in vain I protected all this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missing of all that belongs to him and he's repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by the morning light. Now wait a minute. <laughs> what is David? David just got dissed, disrespected. Hey, Nabal, man, we've been helping you out. Can you... David, David greets you, son of Jesse. And Nabal basically said, who's David? Who's the son? I don't know David. I don't know his parents. He said, there's a lot of servants. He knew exactly who David was. Everybody did. A lot of servants broke away. Basically said, you're a runaway servant from your master Saul. I'm not giving you anything. I said, the men turned on their heel. You know, they're not, they just, and went back. And David said, put your swords on, lock and load. We're going after this guy. And not only are we going after this guy, it, you ought to read it in the King James. Very interesting. Joy won't let me read it in the King James. But he said, we're, we're going to get every, every male. There's not going to be a male left. Now, wait a minute. Saul was just trying to kill him. 
chasing him all over the country, and he wouldn't even cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Nabal, who he barely knows, who he protected when David, when David protected him, when Nabal didn't even ask him, David did something good, and he dissed him, and David's going to kill him. He's like, whoa, I thought David was a man of integrity. He is, but everybody's got something that moves them. And David got, got he was, man, he's ticked off. He is mad. But Nabal married, did like a lot of us guys in here, he married a few grades above himself. And he married a woman named Abigail. And she was an honorable woman. And she saw what they told her. They said, they told Abigail, some of the men said, oh, we're in trouble because your husband made David's people mad and we're in trouble. And Abigail got ready to go to David. And I love to see how David adjusts. And this is important. You don't miss this. David was moved by disrespect, but David was also willing to adjust. So Abigail comes to him, 1 Samuel 25, 32 and 33. And David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. Abigail came to David. She said, David, don't do this. She said, you're a better man than this. You ought not to do this. She said, you're going to regret this later on. You're going to be the king one day. God's going to make you the king and God's going to take all your enemies and he's going to sling them out. She said, but you're bound up in the bundle of the Lord. The Lord's with you. Don't do this. Here's the beautiful thing about David. It's not that you get moved by something. It's how you adjust to it. It's you make adjustments. And David said, this is, this is God's wisdom. Listen, that, that is, that, guys, that is so key. You want a different year next year? You want things to be different? First, go, what, what is it that bothers me? What is it that moves me? And then once you begin to find that out, say, I know God's got some wisdom from that, and I can make some adjustment, and the next year can be different. Your next year can be different. So I, I don't think it can be different. Oh, yeah, if you receive God's wisdom, it can be different. Does that make sense? So here he was moved by this, and Abigail spoke to him. Paul gives us, gives us a, a key word here. This is, this is a, a word when he's talking to these leaders, and this is what I want to talk to you a little bit about as we close up. Paul, Paul talked about his life before he, he gave those verses. So let, let's read the, the first part when he's talking to these leaders. I'm going to jump back to Paul here. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. This is for Paul. And when they'd come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I've always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. There's key words here. He said, when I came here, he said, you know how I lived among you. Here's what, when I, look, when I look at my life this year and I look at next year, what, what do I want to change? Not necessarily my preaching. Don't be disappointed. But not necessarily, it, it's, it's my life. Paul said, you know how I've lived among you. Realize, you know the best thing, guys, that we can do is, is, is live as a witness for Christ. Our life actually speaks so loud. And by the way, we got, we got holidays coming. I know you got some relatives. That, I know some of those relatives, they get you. I mean, they, they move you. 
And you're thinking, one of the best things you can say, what's the, Alan, what's the best thing I can do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my Bible out and I'm going to read Bible verses to them. No, no, do that. I'm going to read them the right act. No, 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 do that. Live a life that they can't argue with. Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy was a young man. This is, this is what he told him in 1 Timothy 4, 12. He said, let no one despise your youth. That means don't let anyone look down on your young age. But be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Timothy was a young man. He was a young pastor. People are looking at Timothy like, you're a young pastor. Paul said, you can't argue with people about your youth. You can't change that. But you can change how you live. And if you're an example in your words and how you live and your love and your spirit, your attitude and your faith and in your purity, that gives them a life that they can't argue with. Now listen, that doesn't just work for young. That also works for old and it works for race and it works for gender. Don't let anyone despise you because of your economic situation. But you live a life that is in your words and your conduct and your love and your spirit and your faith and your purity. They can't even argue with that. Well, Alan, they, don't, they won't listen to me because I'm a woman. No, you live your life in your words and your conduct and your love and your spirit and your faith and your purity that they can't argue with that. Your life is what lives. And when that's what speaks the loudest. So as you're examining this past year, go, what do I want to change? I want to handle better next year. And actually, next week, I'm going to talk more about how. Here's one of the, here's one of the keys I'm going to leave you with tonight. Paul said, I serve the Lord with all humility. Now, humility is not something that we get excited about. I say humility, and everyone's like, I can't wait to come back next week and hear about humility. But yeah, humility is one of the smartest things we can ever do. He said, I was serving the Lord with all humility. What's humility? Humility is not saying, I'm, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody. That's not accurate. That's, that's not Bible humility. Bi Bible humility does not say I'm not nothing, I I'm not nobody. Jesus paid an awesome price for you. He bought you and paid for you. And he, when you became a Christian, you didn't just get heaven when you die. You got changed on the inside. And you became a new creation. And I'm a, I just want you to know, God does not make defective new creations. You are his masterpiece. You are his handiwork. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And his intention is that he, you show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's you. And so walking around going, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, that's poor self-esteem. That's not Bible humility. Humility is simply how we approach the Lord and how we talk to him and how we go after him and how we receive correction from him. I know you'll be so excited to come back next week and hear about this. But yet it, it's so important. Let me give you a quick Bible example because in this story of David is a great story of humility. Abigail, Nabal's wife. Remember Nabal? The, the guy who dissed David? The guy who's going to get killed? Abigail approached him. How she approached David is, is, is really fascinating. And it says here, see if I got the, yeah, I do. 1 Samuel 25. Now when Abigail saw David, she went to meet David. 
She dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be, and please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Now, ladies, don't, don't change the channel on me. Because some of you are thinking, Oh, <laughs> there's no stinking way that I'm going to jump off my donkey <laughs> and bow down before any man and ask him if he would please listen to me because he's wrong. You can take that attitude. And if she had, everybody, every male in her household dies. What she did was, and please understand the culture of the day, women were treated like positions. But it's her approach. She sees David. She doesn't ride up and go, hey, we got a problem. We need to talk. Because you're really wrong. You know, Nabal did not ask you to do this. You did it anyway. And now you're going to come up in here and act like you're going to kill everybody. And I'm just, no, that is not, no, that's not going to happen. And that wouldn't have worked. Because he wouldn't have listened to that. What does she do? She sees him. She gets off her donkey. And by the way, she brought food with her. Smart woman. We got food. He's like, he could probably smell the food. Like, I'm going I'm to I'm smell food. I'm going to talk to this lady regardless. I see food all behind her. She comes down and she, and she, she, she jumps off and, and she approaches and, and she takes responsibility for something that's not even her fault. And, and what is this a picture of? Guys, this is simply a picture of humility. You say, are you saying I'm supposed to bow down and do that in front of other people? No, but that should be our approach to the Lord. Our approach to him ought not to be, Lord, I'm upset with you because of this and this and this. You don't want to do that. Paul said, I serve the Lord with all humility. Paul said, this is not about me. This is not a, this, one of the best things we can do, one of the smartest things you'll ever do in your Christian life is realize that God is always right and we're not. And then we realize that, Lord, if I'll humble myself before you, you'll help me. So when, if, if I've made a mistake, I, I want to come to the Lord and go, Lord, please help me in this situation. And that's what Bible humility is. Correct me. Show me what I need to do. Say, oh, that's, that's painful. That can hurt. That can sting sometimes. No, that can help you immensely sometimes. This lady got off her, she fell down. She said, on me, Lord, let it be on me. It wasn't even her fault. But David listened to her. And the reason he listened to her is because she came with an humble heart. The Bible said, James, let's go ahead and put that up. And we'll, we'll close with this. James, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you'll humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift you up. Are you hearing me? He'll lift you. Some people say, well, if I humble myself in the sight of the Lord. Whoever read that verse, if I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, he will squash you. He will not squash you. He, he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You say, what is humility? Humility is simply going and saying, Lord, you are right in this situation, and I am not. So let's go back to those areas that move us. Whatever it is, Lord, that I need to change in my life because I'm not going to be able to control everything that happens to me in 2020. I'm not going to be able to control all of my relatives, and I won't be able to control all of my kids. Say, how do you know, Alan? Because I've tried. 
and you can't do it. You're never going to be able to control everything. You're never going to be able to make every situation right. I said it the other week, and I've been, I've been harping over a while. It's not what you go through. It's how you go through it. You're not going to be able to control. There will be some challenges that hit all of us in 2020. Say, Alan, don't prophesy that over me. I'm not prophesying that over you. I'm just telling you that's life. But if I'm ready for it, and if the Lord helps me in it, then I can overcome it. And the things that bother me in, in 2019, I can get stronger. And if I'm stronger, they don't move me as much. I don't get moved. And we're going to talk next week about getting stronger because Paul talks about getting stronger. There's some keys to getting stronger. But one of the first things we can do is instead of arguing with the Lord or, or just, it's where we come back to the Lord and go, Lord, correct me. Show me. You will not squash me. You will lift me up. Have you ever been around someone and you just feel like they're just so proud? You're trying to talk to them. And they look at you like, Phew. does it make you just want to reach out and go, oh, bless you. I just want to hug you. And, oh. there's, there's even something in us when we hit that hard-nosed pride that makes us kind of want to go, ooh. Have you ever been around someone who just says, hey, look, whatever, help me, teach me. Show me. So people, I work with people like that all day. Not people who are like explaining and, and making excuses for everything. But people just come and go, listen, I, I need help. I messed up with you. Would you help me? I'll help you. The Lord will help you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. and He will lift you up. I threw a lot at you tonight. Did you get any? Yeah, you were like, wow, Alan. You gave us like two loads worth tonight. I know. I'm going to give you two loads worth next week too. <laughs> I, I got I to wrap this up. We got, we only have two weeks in, in December, so I have to cram an entire month into two weeks. But I hope you got this. Humility. One of the smartest things you'll ever do. Don't resist the Lord. Ask him, Lord, help me. Correct me. Lord, I'm, I'm the one that, no, I'm not trying to. Have you, have you ever gone and tried to justify yourself before the Lord? Ever gone? Now, how about, how about this? And I've done this. Lord, Lord, you need to fix them. Because I am tired of dealing. You need to fix them because they're messed up. <coughs> have you ever noticed that when you start praying about the Lord fixing someone else, they'll talk to you about you? That's why a lot of people don't like to pray. <laughs> I just soon not hear it. Ignorance is bliss. No, it's not. <laughs> Ignorance will jack you up. <laughs> Real bad. Humility is bliss. Humility is not lowering yourself in front of men. Humility is humbling yourself before God. Going, Help me. I want a different year in 2020. I had a good year in 2019. It's not over yet. Good things are happening. But I want a better year in 2020. And I believe with the Lord, he doesn't back up. He goes from glory to glory. And I may not be able to control everything that's going to happen in 2020, but I can get strong enough that things that happen don't move me. Would you bow your head for a second? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness.
And thank you for your grace. And thank you, Lord, that as we come before you and just humble ourselves in, in your eyes, that you lift us. Father, you desire to lift every individual and every family here tonight. That's your plan. And so, Father, help us make adjustments in our heart and in our life so we can have a life before you, a life that speaks and a life that you lift up. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. This evening, if you're here and say, Alan, I don't even know that I have a relationship with the Lord, but I really want one. Or maybe you're recognized in your heart you've been away from God, but you don't want to stay there. You want to come back. We're going to say a prayer sitting right in your chair. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front, but we're going to pray. If this prayer, if this, is, this is talking to you. This is registering with your heart right now. This prayer is for you. I'm going to ask you only to do one thing, just to acknowledge that by saying, Alan, that is me. I want a relationship with the Lord or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Real quickly, just slip your hand up across the auditorium. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Great. In the front and in the back. Anybody else? Say, Alan, that's me. Wonderful. Thanks. Great. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, maybe you didn't lift your hand and thought you missed your chance, but this is still a heart prayer. So I just want you to pray this. We're going to all pray it together out loud with you. You pray this out loud too so you can hear yourself pray. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Keep your head bowed just for a moment longer. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. And Father, I, I pray for the rest here. Different people dealing with different things. Father, thank you that you have answers for every one of us. That you will show us a path of life. And I pray that, Father. People have situations with families, situations in marriages, with children on the job. Father, I pray for your help and your wisdom. And as we could just come to you humbly and asking for your grace and help in our lives. Thank you that you're able to lift us up above that situation. So thank you for that tonight. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you care for us deeply. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.